0: I'm the most scientific, the most artistic, the most creative. I'm the greatest scientific fighter of all time. Welcome to the history of the Heavyweight Championship, a podcast series from Yahoo with me, Steve Bunt. And our are I don't get knocked out. In this continuing series, I will look at one year in the sports history the main fighters, their great nights, their failures, and the dramatic and crazy changes in the sport that took place during the 70s. White uppercuts did the job. I don't think he's going to make it, friend. This is the history of the heavyweight championship. Every one of the main fighters. It is the decade of champions. In 1978, the heavyweight boxing landscape changed forever. The old, the young, the obscure, the fatal dreamers and the relentless schemers all came together to make it unforgettable. The rumours from 1977 were true. Muhammad Ali would defend his World Heavyweight Championship against Leon Spinks, a man who had won just six of his seven fights. It was fairy tale, nightmare and reality all in one. The ancient title had seen some craziness over the years. There have been some odd challenges for the title, disgraceful decisions, dubious knockouts, strange locations for fights. But the selection of Neon Leon was one of the oddest. Even Ali struggled to hype it and that was a first. Sphinx has only had seven fights. What am I going to tell people? That I'm going to destroy him? Talking that way makes me look bad. Ali arrived in the gym bloated and unmotivated. He sparred 24 rounds. Ali was getting $3.5 million for fighting the kid with the boxing gloves. It would be Ali's 58th fight, and he was 36 years of age. George Benton, one of the trainers working with Spinks, was convinced that his man had a chance, a chance at the upset, a chance at being the real Rocky. Yes, the film was out. Benton had once been a Philadelphia middleweight and real contender, but his career ended when he was shot. He was a no-nonsense boxing man, but he knew what he knew, and he was a believer. I knew Ali was ready to be taken. He had two hard 15-round fights the year before. I knew the old Ali was gone, and I knew Leon had a chance. However, it seemed to Benton that he was on his own. Even in the Spinks team, there was not a lot of belief. The fight was in February 1978. Ali came in two stone heavier than Spinks for the fight. It took place off the strip in Las Vegas at the Hilton, and only 5,298 people paid to watch. Nobody cared. Nobody believed that the novice stood a chance. Nobody believed it would be a competitive fight. Ali had been booed from the ring when he played with and joked about with Alfredo Evangelista an inexperienced brawler, in May of 1977. People were wary of a one-sided repeat. Instead, Spinks kept the pressure on and never fell for any of Ali's old tricks. And he moved to chase and cut down the ring. It was hard on Ali. Spinks kept letting his hands go. At the end of 15 rounds, it was close. The split decision went to Spinks. He deserved it. The kid had beaten the master, no real dispute. He was the first man to win the world heavyweight title from the champion on points since 1935. Every other time the title had changed hands, it had been after a knockout or a stoppage. Every single time that a champion had lost his title in the ring since James J. Braddock, also known as the Cinderella Man outpointed Max Baer in June of 1935. That's 43 years! That is as staggering a fact as the result. Sadly and predictably, the vultures from the two sanctioning bodies were circling the Las Vegas ring long before Leon's hand was raised. The fight was for both the WBC and the WBA versions of the heavyweight championship, the unified title. It was the last heavyweight title fight for both belts for nine years. Yeah, there was all sorts of history being created that night in the Hilton ring. I underestimated him. Now I hope I'm given the chance to regain my title. It's not the end of the world. It's a new beginning. Ali after the fight. He was good enough to give me the chance and he deserves a return. Spinks after the fight. If only it was that easy. So much was happening in the shady, sleazy and powerful corridors of boxing power and control. The Don King and Bob Arum promotional war was a tasty sideshow attraction in 1978. Arum is one of the most devious and evil individuals I have ever met who builds a success road on deviousness. King on Arum. Everybody knows what King is. A total charlatan. Arum on King. First, in March, the WBC sanctioned the fight between Larry Blackcloud Holmes and Ernie the Acorn Shavers for the right to fight Kenny Norton for the WBC heavyweight title. Norton had won a WBC final eliminator in 1977 when he beat Jimmy Young and knew at the time that if Ali refused to fight him, he would be upgraded to full WBC heavyweight champion of the world. There was an offer from Don King of $2 million to Spinks to fight Norton. It was refused. The WBC President for Life, Don Jose Suleiman, ordered Spinks to fight Norton. He refused. On March 29th, 1978, Leon Spinks was stripped of his WBC heavyweight title. Kenny Norton was the new champion. So Holmes was set to fight Shavers for the right to fight Norton, but a title. Holmes was unbeaten in 26, but was overlooked, ignored, and many considered him cocky and arrogant. He had struggled for presence, and in the timeless age of fighters like Ali and George Foreman, that was not good news. On the eve of the Shavers fight, Pat Putnam wrote in Sports Illustrated: "Larry Holmes is 28 years old, six foot three, and 210 pounds. One of those heavyweights who seem vaguely familiar." For six years, he has been fighting mediocre opponents. Men going nowhere or coming back from there. Holmes beat Shavers in a controlled, smart fight, taking no risks and winning all 12 rounds. He was not the favourite and he had done a great job. His punches numbed your bones. He punched harder than all the guys I fought, all of them, Tyson, Cooney and Norton. Holmes told me one day in 2000 in his beloved hometown of eastern Pennsylvania. Four days after beating Shavers, a fight for the WBC heavyweight title was arranged for June in Las Vegas. It was the past against the future. Holmes the challenger and Norton the champion. It would be a classic. Meanwhile, Spinks had accepted an offer from Bob Arum to fight Ali in a rematch scheduled for September. The offer was for $5 million each. It would be a history fight, and Leon would do his very best to set records of excess and outright lunacy. He would have a reign like no other heavyweight in history. In June, at the Sports Pavilion that sacred old venue out behind the pools at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, something very special took place over 15 glorious rounds. Holmes had the better, faster start, and then Norton came right back, winning rounds 6 through 11. But this was an old-fashioned 15-round war. After 11 rounds, there were still four left, the real championship rounds, and they were brilliant. At the bell to end the 14th round, all three judges had it even. They could not be separated. Richie Giagetti in Holmes's corner knew what was needed. I told Larry to go out there and fight a round like you have never fought before. Holmes listened, but Norton also had the round of his life. They trade punches in the 15th round, and it has to be one of the finest three minutes of boxing ever seen. At ringside, Slice Stallone and Roberta Duran are standing and throwing punches with the boxers. It is Mayhem in the venue. With about 20 seconds to go, Norton is hurt but stays up. Then the final bell ends the epic. Dave Anderson in the New York Times calls it the best fight since Manila. That is some praise. They stand bruised and exhausted and wait for the verdict. 143 to 142. Holmes 143 to 142 Norton and finally 143 to 142 for Holmes it's cruel on Norton but somebody has to lose i thought that Norton won the last round that's just my opinion sweet kenny norton would box until 1981 losing a couple of massive fights and never getting another world title fight a real heavyweight fighter from the sport's greatest decade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more Sphinx and Ali had their rematch set for September 15th at the Louisiana Dome in New Orleans. Ali got serious this time. His team wore t-shirts with third coming written on the chest. There is a story, probably true, that the day after the loss to Sphinx in February, Ali returned to his Chicago home and got up at 2am to run. He ran and ran. A friend followed in his car as the deposed champion ran and shadow-boxed under streetlights. And Ali was shouting, ''Gotta get my title back! Gotta get my title back!'' ''Who cares if it didn't happen? You just want it to have happened!'' Spinks did not get serious. He had just the WBA heavyweight title, but he was still the champion of the world. He had also beaten the man, as they say. The new heavyweight champion was somehow given a a quarter-of-a-million-dollar advance... For training camp, and you better believe he did his very best to spend all of it. Here follows a list of Spinks's crazy moments as his life fell to pieces, from the moment he met Ali in February up until the first bell in New Orleans, just seven months later. This is an X-rated list, even for the boxing business. He was arrested seven times, handcuffed and pictured on the pages of newspapers, he crashed his modified Lincoln Continental in Detroit and he souped up Corvette in Ohio. He was charged with speeding in North Carolina. Sphinx was all over the place and going there fast. He was busted for cocaine possession, a tiny amount with street value of just $1.50. But this is the man that followed Ali, the heavyweight champion of the world. However, even more disturbing were his disappearances. He would walk in the front door of a hotel and out the back. The man in charge of tracking down the champion when he went missing was Mr T. Yet yeah, that Mr T. Before he was fighting in Rocky, he had become friends and then bodyguard to Leon Spinks. Mr T knew where to look. The fighter was causing his promoter, Bob Arum, a lot of grief. Leon never had any sense. He was just not very smart and he was irresponsible. You could have had Einstein advising him, and it wouldn't have mattered. It was a constant hustle to keep Spinks in camp and clean. It has to be said, his guardians were losing, and the crisis was real. Mr T and his unique tracking skills obviously did his best, but he knew the truth. The more cocaine he snorted, the less he trained. And the less he trained, the more out of shape he got. On arrival in New Orleans at the Fight Hotel, where film crews and dignitaries and the press were waiting, Leon got out of one limo and jumped in another and then drove off on his own. He was gone either one or two nights before Mr T found him. There's a great story about either Bob Aaron, Muhammad Ali or Angelo Dundee. They all claim the same story. Coming down to the hotel lobby at 6am in the week before the fight and seeing Leon, he says hi! They think at first he has been running, and then they realise he is coming in from a night out. In the Leon Spinks camp, George Benton, his main trainer, is unhappy before the night of the rematch. He's unhappy with the amount of people hanging around Spinks. They're cutting my throat, stopping me from helping the kid. Perhaps the craziest story about the build-up to the fight, and one that I have been told several times, and in mostly the same way, involves Leon's six-foot-tall wife, Nova. She stood taller because she had a high afro hairstyle. Anyway, Leon Spinks goes missing on the afternoon of the fight. He is found by Nova and Mr. T in a cheap hotel room. He has been drinking, and he is not alone. It's just over an hour before the first bell. He is taken to the dressing room where Benton and a growing band of men are waiting. It is chaos. It is a disgrace. Ali, on the other hand, had done everything right in training. Had dropped a few pounds, but he was in the right place. He knew this time it was a fight. This time it ain't the fat man that took him too casual in Las Vegas last February. This is the real Ali. Ali had also gone to Russia to meet with Communist Party leader Leonid Brezhnev in June. He had a plan to solve racism, leprosy, famine, and all of the world's other problems. Brezhnev backed him, and Johnny Cash backed him, and Libya's president Gaddafi also backed him. Now, that is a contrast of summers. In the Superdome, there were 63,350 people. The glitter is back. And at ringside, Jackie O, Jackie O Inassis and John Travolta are watching. The real Ali fights like a dream. Spinks often fights like he is in a dream. At the end of the fifth round, Benton is unable to even get close to Spinks in the corner because of all the hangers-on attached to him. And he leaves. He walks away from the fight and his fighter, as the bell sounds for round six, he's distraught. What can I do? There were 10 people up there in that corner. There were too many amateurs up there. It was like watching your baby drown. There was nothing you could do about it. Ali wins, wins easily, close to a shutout on points. He jabs, jabs and waits for the right hand. Simple stuff. He makes history by becoming the first man to win the heavyweight championship of the world three times. Spinks, well, he looks relieved at the end, his shameless posse at his side. Yui McIlvenny, writing in The Observer said, "'Leon looked like a brave and powerful novice, "'burdened with inexperience "'and the extreme limitations "'of a recently converted amateur.' Spinks went missing after the fight. "'It was the only way he knew. "'He called it the swoop. "'Those were dark days.' "'Ali was instantly reflective. I'm going to sit down for six or eight months and think a bit. Then I'll decide whether to fight again. That is exactly what he did. Ali never fought again in the 70s. The miracle in New Orleans was his last offering in that decade. He was 36 years of age. Spinks was back in the heavyweight mix after Ali vacated the WBA title and retired in June of 1979. The heavyweight championship year ended in November when Holmes made his first defence of the WBC version. Holmes stopped Alfredo Evangelista in seven rounds in Las Vegas. He did what Ali should have done in 1977. Holmes was just getting started, building his own considerable legacy. By the end of 1978, the heavyweight world was wide open. The men that had dominated the last 10 or more years were gone or thinking of retiring. So many new fighters would get a chance to fight for the world championship in the next couple of years. Some deserving, some undeserving, and that is the way it has always been. John Tate won nine, eight quick and would have a great 1979. He was the first of the lost generation of heavyweights, a tragic gang. Tate died in 1998 in a crash with cocaine in his blood. Jerry Cooney had eight wins, seven quick, and he would be in some massive fights. South Africans Jerry Kutsia and Kali Kanutsi kept winning in 1978 and would both feature in a WBA elimination series in 1979. Ozzy Ocasio beat Jimmy Young. There were others, lots of others, getting in a line for a chance to become the heavyweight champion. It was not such an elite club any longer. It was a changing world, the one that Muhammad Ali left in 1978. As he left the ring that monumental night in New Orleans, the veteran broadcaster and Ali believer Howard Cassell turned to the poetry of Bob Dylan to bid his hero farewell. May your heart always be joyful. May your song always be sung. May you stay forever young. I have no idea if there was a dry eye in the house. The great man was gone and would never be champion again. Holmes was just starting to realise how big, damaging and often hurtful it was to follow a giant in the boxing business. Make no mistake, Holmes was fearless and would never turn away from any fight. I'm the baddest heavyweight in the world today, and I can hold a title for five years before losing. What five you, years. What do you think you'll do with Muhammad Ali? If you Muhammad him? Ali is no question about Muhammad Ali anymore. There are no more Muhammad Ali. He's only one, Larry Holmes. Muhammad Ali has seen the bright side, now he's on the dark side. I'm the light side now. What do you think you'll do with him? Beat Muhammad Ali, of course, but I will feel sad about beating Muhammad Ali because Muhammad is a legend in his own time. Now his time has passed. It's my time now. this tour through the best of boxing history you can find more transcripts archive videos historical images in the boxing section of the yahoo uk sports site that's uk.sports.yahoo.com boxing the history of the heavyweight championship is written and recorded by me steve bunts produced by yahoo uk with editing and sound design by lolita laguna